Well, every year we do a series on love this time of year, of course, as what approaches, right? As Valentine's Day is approaching, okay? And it's important for us to, to be reminded, to have these continual reminders of what love is because I think we often get it wrong so many times. We mess it up a lot. And we have a lot of different people in the world that try to explain to us what love looks like, what love is. We see it in, in movies, in Hollywood, or their version of what love is. But the true example of love will always be found in Christ. It will always be found in the example of Jesus. So it's important for us to always go back and to see what it is that Scripture <coughs> has to say. And there's been one particular passage of Scripture that's been stuck in my head for the last few months. And it comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. And I would encourage you just, if there's a memory verse you want to start with, this would be the one, if you ask me. In Philippians chapter 2, if you guys would throw that up there for me, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. This is what it says. It says, Do nothing from, from rivalry or conceit. Okay, or, or pride is what, it, what it's talking about there. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let's pause there for a second. So, do nothing from selfishness, from pride, from that envy, from that rivalry, from that conceit. Don't do anything from that perspective, which is really tough because numero uno just seems to always take the place so many times in life, doesn't it? We want what we want. But it says in humility, which means bringing yourself below, right? Count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourselves. That's just a completely upside-down philosophy than what the world states. Because everything's about us, isn't it? It's about what we want, what we want to accomplish. To put others in front of ourselves is difficult. It's difficult in the places where it should be most obvious when it comes to being at home, <clears throat> when it comes to your wife, when it comes to your kids. It's, it's difficult at that point even, but we work on it, we do it, to put others above ourselves. Okay, to consider others more than ourselves. But then you get outside of the home and it becomes even more difficult with our friends, with our, with our co-workers. When you're driving in traffic, that's always going to be an illustration for me. That's where this is tested this week. How am I doing in traffic? If I'm treating others better than myself in traffic, I've really come a long way, okay, because I can't stand how people drive here. Just can't. It drives me nuts. It kills me no matter what. It always comes down to that point. In traffic, yes, thank you, I got an amen, that never happens from Madonna, thank you. Not just from Madonna, but in general. We're just not that kind of church, but there's some things that just cause you to say amen. So, it's crazy, it's difficult. How do you put others above yourself when you have to be there at a certain time? What irritates me is I say what? Get up earlier, right, so you can get there on time, and I get up earlier, and no matter what, there's still some bonehead that happens to get in an accident or where they're looking at an accident, and that slows everybody else down just because they're looking. So to put others above yourselves, to consider others better than yourselves, it is so hard to do. More significant than me? 
Who's more significant than me? Is what you say to yourself. You don't say it out loud because you would be obviously pinpointed as that's a very prideful and arrogant person. We don't always show it, but on the inside, that's kind of what we're feeling. That's what we're dealing with. Why should I let you out in front of me in traffic? I have somewhere to be, right? You should have thought twice about whatever. We become number one. But it says, more significant than yourselves, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he has to go ahead and pull out the example. Why do we do this? What are you talking about? Why? Because he says, have the same mind, the same way of thinking about yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Talking about Jesus and the way that he thought about things. And the way Jesus thought about things was clearly different than how the world thinks about things. Because he took those words to heart. Because it says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, just because he was God, he didn't say that he was, he was going to use that and hold that above others. God himself comes down and does what? It says, but he made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, what did he do? Give me the next slide, guys. He humbled himself. How much did he humble himself? To what level, right? To the point of death, even death on a cross. He, he counted us more significant than himself to the point that he was willing to die for us. You know, when we consider our family, we might be willing to be in the same position, right? Might be willing to die for our family. Raise your hand if you're willing to do that. Everybody should raise it, even if you don't mean it, okay? Yeah. Even, you, you would die for your family. You'd do anything for your wife, for your kids, for your mom, your dad. You know, you would do anything like that. Jesus didn't just do that for family. He did that for creation. He did that for everyone. How crazy is that, right? I'm not even willing sometimes to let another car get out in front of me. Because the car in front of him let about 20 cars through it. I'm like, forget it, right? I'm more important. But to die, to humble yourself to that point, you say, Jesus, if we're supposed to be like Christ, this is just crazy. How in the world are we supposed to love on that level? But when you read the story of Christ, when you read the things that he did, he continued to show it over and over and over and give example after example of this is how you love. <clears throat> the reason I'm starting with that particular verse out of Philippians chapter 2 is that I believe that as we begin to learn about how Jesus loves us, which is the, the title of our sermon series, This I Know, right? Good old song we probably grew up with or heard a few times. Jeez, we won't sing it today. We might sing it in the nursing home later if you want to join us. But the love that Jesus has for us is based, the root of it, if you will, is in this aspect of humility. It's really the starting point if we're going to talk about loving the same way that Jesus loves us. It's based in humility. 
I want to look at a couple of verses on humility just to kind of get that in our heads. And, and James chapter 4, verse 6 is a great passage that talks about humility. <clears throat> James 4, 6 says, humble yourselves before the Lord. That's 4.10. Give me 4.6 first. I think it's in there. James 4.6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God says, God, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God hates pride. Because pride really, in so many ways, is the source of sin. We, we do things that are wrong because why? Because we want it. We want to do it. It's about us, okay? He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And now James 4.10 says, says this. It says, humble yourselves then before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He'll lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up. Probably heard the story, you know, where the, this person was considered so humble, they went ahead and gave him a humble pin that said, you know, I'm humble. And so he wore it, and then they, because he wore it, they, they took it away from him. Never mind, you'll get that later. So continuing on, Luke 14.11, another passage that's great, 14.11. <clears throat> Jesus says kind of the same thing. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Just leave that on the screen for me. Jesus tells us, after he tells the story, he says, when you go to a dinner, when you go to a wedding, okay, you, you shouldn't just go and sit in the, the best seat of honor that you can. Because he was watching a lot of the people do that. They were all fighting for the best seats, okay? He said, but if you do that, you're going to actually end up being ashamed. You're going to get embarrassed because someone else more important than you also, and the mayor walks in, and you're going to lose your seat because he's like, hey, the mayor's here. Can you go sit somewhere else? And then bloop, 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 you kind of, you know, you get humbled. You get the other way around, though. If you go and sit in the lowly seat, the one farthest away from where the action is, it might be that someone says, no, 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 you're, you need to come sit here with me. Come sit at, at the main table. So Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. One more verse and we'll continue on in Proverbs 22, 4. It's a pretty, pretty cool verse that talks about a reward for humility. Why should I be humble? Why should I really kind of consider these things? Why should I lower myself? This is the reward for humility and for the fear of the Lord, when it says fear of the Lord, it's, it's talking about a respect. It's not talking about being scared by like a scary movie kind of fear. We're talking about this, this honor, this respect. Reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. See, when you're, when you're humble, you can, you can see things so much better. I'm going to tell you, I, something just kind of came to me this morning uh, Diane and I watched Shelby yesterday play volleyball. And what's interesting about, by the way, and she won her bracket. Let's give it up for Shelby wherever she's at. She's probably helping with the kids or something, okay? Give her a good old pat in the back when you see her. But one of the things I noticed about volleyball, if you're going to be prepared, right, what's the first thing that comes at you? And the toughest thing that these girls have to learn is how to serve, right? It's so tough. Get up there, into the net, you know. Or the ones that are really good, right? They smack that thing, and it goes like inches 
above the net and goes straight down. Because those girls, one of the greatest things they love is to get an ace, to smack it hard, go over there, and just go bam, and like, that's a point. And that happened to Shelby yesterday. She got some of those that were like super thin, close to the net, one that actually touched the net, went over and just, you know, she got it. But what I noticed was if you're on the opposite side and things are, and the serve is coming at you, one of the things I noticed about Shelby's team is they all got really, really low. They had their, their legs down and back and their arms ready. They were as low as they could get when things were getting ready to get pummeled at them. As that serve was about to come, they were as low as they could possibly get so they could be prepared to return that serve. There was a, a different kind of humility, if you will. Humility prepares you, prepares you for life. It prepares you to truly engage in the way that we're called to be. If you stand up, it's all about you. You're going to get smacked in the head. You're not going to be prepared for life. You're not going to be prepared to return the serve, if you will. Humility prepares you. It gets you in the right posture to love. The posture of humility is where you begin if you're truly going to understand what love is. Now, we're going to read a, a passage of Scripture now that comes out of John chapter 13. I want to share you share with you this story. This is something that <clears throat> Jesus wanted to set one final example to his disciples before he went to the cross. And these, what we did earlier was actually a part of this dinner. It was a part of this time. We, we took up communion. And there's another thing that Jesus did that, that some churches celebrate, some churches get involved in, but, but not every one of them because it's so difficult. Because it's very humbling. Jesus sets this example and he says, This is when I talk about humility, let me give you, let me let me show you one-on-one -on -one what I'm talking about. And so in John chapter 13, we're gonna check this out. It says, Before the feast of the Passover, <coughs> excuse me. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father getting ready to leave. He knew he was getting ready to die, right? He said, having loved his own who were in the world, says he loved them to the end. He's talking about his disciples. He loved them to the end. It's interesting how, how it says that. It didn't have to say that. He loved his disciples so much. And then he says this, and during supper, <coughs> when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Knowing he was about to die, knowing that Judas was about to betray him, knowing all of these things, this is what he does. It says, He laid aside his outer garments. And taking a towel, he, he tied it around his waist. <clears throat> then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
I'll stop for a second and realize, you know, we saw that verse in Philippians. He humbled himself to the point of death. Here's Jesus getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. Just so you know, during that time, you know, people always wore sandals. They didn't have nice floors in here like we have, okay? Everything was dirt and dust. If you've ever been to Israel, you see pictures of it. It's everywhere. So one of the things that you, what naturally happened if you're walking around barefoot all the time, basically, is what? Your feet are going to get nasty and disgusting and covered and caked in dirt and dust, right? And so one of the things you would do if you went into a home is that sometimes people in the home, they would come and they would, they would wash your feet because you'd been out walking in the grime. And so you're coming inside. It was just kind of a custom but Jesus decides that he's going to wash the disciples' feet. Now, Jesus is God himself in the flesh. I mean, I just don't know if you can really comprehend the amount of humility that we're talking here. <clears throat> you know, and this sounds silly, but bear with me for a moment. And I've used this illustration before, but it's been a while. You know, how many of you played with Play-Doh when you were kids? How many of you still play with it now? All right, yeah, there's some honest folks in here, yeah. When I was a kid, I would take Play-Doh, and for whatever reason, I liked to just kind of make Play-Doh figurines, right? Make Play-Doh people. Mine was always blue, because I liked blue. You'd make a little Play-Doh figurine, then you'd find a different color of yellow, maybe, and roll them in eyeballs, and you'd make a Play-Doh figure. It's just Play-Doh, right? Because if you're done with it, you know, you got the figure up there, you might just go up and go, and throw it back in the can. What if you had the ability to give that Plato figure life? Like God did with us. The Bible says we're made out of dirt. He breathed, he made us, gathered us out of dust, and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, and we became living beings. But essentially, we're made out of dust. The dust that, here's a real gross feature, right? The dust that you find in your houses, what's it made out of? Human skin, it's made out of people. <laughs> we are but dust. And God, who made us, says, I'm going to become a Play-Doh figure. It sounds ludicrous when I say it like that, doesn't it? But he became one of us. Why? Because he loved us. Because there was a, a problem that happened a long time ago in the Garden of Eden that, that sin caused a separation. Sin's not just this bad stuff and God said, it, it caused a problem. It caused a separation. You know, it's, it caused distance. And the kind of distance I'm talking about is it's not so much a physical distance as it is, you know, you know if you went and, you know, <coughs> slapped your mother in the face, there would be an immediately distance there, wouldn't there? There'd be issues. There'd be problems. <laughs> There'd be separation. I'm not sure I'm letting you back in the home, okay? So consider that separation. Now, it wasn't her fault. You're the one that did it. This is just an example, right? <laughs> this didn't happen for real. You're, you're the one that did it, but what, but what Jesus did was like, you know what? You're the one that slapped me, but I love you so much that I am going to be the one that reconciles. Not just saying, I'm sorry, but going to the point of 
death on the cross. That's how much he loves us. I am willing to go to that point. And you might believe that for your parents. But again, this is God talking about Plato creatures. How could he love us so much? How could he care? How could he give a rat's butt, right? We'll, we'll use that in church instead of the other word. How could he care so much? That's the kind of love that he has for us. And he says, the same kind of humility that I have shown, you need to show as well because it is the foundation for love. And, he's, and he does this. He, he goes and gets a basin of water and a towel and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Verse 6, it says, he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? But Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And, and Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. I, I'm not worthy to be for, for you, for the Messiah, for God to wash my feet. And Jesus says something really interesting. <clears throat> Jesus answered him, he said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not my feet, but also my hands and my head. I give you everything. If, you, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, this is what he's saying, there's, there's a connection that humility causes. There's a closeness, there's a, an intimacy that's there. The, the walls are, are broken down, if you will. Peter, you, you, if you don't let me wash, then we have no part, we have no place together. And Peter's like, all right, dump it on. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. He says, for he knew who was to betray him. Talking about Judas. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. He said, when he washed their feet and put on <clears throat> his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? So you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. I've set an example. You've, you've got to understand this. Humility is the root of love. Humility is the foundation. You can't love without it. And Jesus, as he did for the disciples, everything else sets the example. And he goes around with a basin of water and a towel and washes everyone's feet. Now, the example that we're obviously talking about here is the example of humility, right? But some people 
take that example just as serious as they do communion. We take communion here first Sunday of every month. No doubt. So we remember, we, we honor what Christ has done. And I've been at a couple of situations <clears throat> where I've seen foot washing services done. You don't see it very often. I think the reason you don't see it very often is because it's very difficult. It's very humiliating. We don't walk around in the dust, but who wants to take their shoes off at church and have someone else wash your feet? That's weird, right? Is it? <laughs> That's why Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Never. That's number one, you're Jesus, and I'm Peter. And number two, it's, I don't know if I can, what, humble myself to allow you to do that to me. I don't know if I can show you my feet. Humility isn't just putting others in front of yourself. It's also showing others your feet. What are the times you need to show your feet? What are the times that, that, that you need to bring a towel? I, we're going to do this today, okay? And <clears throat> I know and I agree that that it's weird. One of the things that I promised as, as your pastor was that no matter what Scripture said, whether it's something we like, something we don't like, that I would promise to, to honor it. And all I am doing is giving you an opportunity. By the way, don't kill me, Diane. I stole the pasta bowl. <laughs> Feet cheese cheese. Yeah. All right. Here's the here's here's the thing. I remember when I was a teenager that um, my youth pastor um, washed my feet, and that was I didn't want to do it. I've avoided this passage since, but humility is for real. So we're gonna we're gonna do this, okay? I'm not gonna make it weird for you. You you do not ever have to be uncomfortable. You make the decisions you need to make. And I will never force them on you, okay? But what I'm going to encourage you to do is we're, we're going to pray and we're going to dismiss service. You can leave and go, okay? Um, but be quiet and respectful of those who are going to participate in this. But I want to give you an opportunity to wash someone's feet.
okay? What I envision in my mind are husbands washing their wives' feet. This is a series on, on love. Maybe it's, maybe it's washing your parents' feet. It's a very humbling situation and opportunity. You know, you know what's, what you need to do or don't do. But I'm going to close in prayer. <coughs> you know I'm going to ask you, can you come and sit in the chair? And we'll pray. And you just do whatever God tells you to do. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. So if you want to participate in that, the front row that no one ever uses, you can come on up here and sit and wait your turn. Humbly. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> you set some really strong examples for us. Lord, if we're going to get what love is, it all starts here. Lord, we have to humble ourselves to give love. We have to humble ourselves to receive love. Lord, teach us how to love. And Lord, teach us how to be obedient and to follow you so that we can experience all the life and the love that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen.